coming at you from the EBITDA Growth System Studios, looking out at the beautiful Rocky Mountains. My name is Dave Gapkiewicz, and I'm with Mike Watkins, and we want to welcome you to the Making Business Profitable podcast. This podcast is brought to you by EBITDA Growth Systems, where we guarantee to double the value of your company within three years or give you your money back. Good day, Dave. Good day, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm doing good. I uh, it's one of those times that I'm getting ready to send my last couple youngins back to back to school and back to life. My daughter came to visit from Indiana, and it was wonderful to see her and her husband, and uh, and sent one one young one to back to Pitt for college, and another one goes back tomorrow for nursing. So. And it's back to empty nesting with me, the wife, and the the puppies. Cool, yeah. I uh, I've enjoyed my empty nesting time for the last, gosh, is it ten years or so? It's been a while. So I I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that. It's it is wonderful to see my children. I'm glad they feel comfortable coming home. But uh, so what are we what are we chatting about today, buddy? So we're going to be talking about preparing a family-owned business for sale because. Uh, you know, it's, it's on our heart because we, uh, we're encountering uh, a lot of it these days. And uh, this, this has been a long time coming. These are the baby boomers that are going to be moving on. And uh, what is the next generation for their, their businesses look like? I mean, um, the industry has anticipated this. The industry, the market, the U.S., um, the economy has been uh, anticipating this, and now it's uh, it's actually starting to happen. It's amazing. We uh, we see this, and and we're kind of going through today's topic. And number one thing we we start with is for family-owned businesses, especially baby boomers, you got to have the conversation. Yeah, you know it's a. Uh, it's typically a conversation that should have been had 10 or 15 years ago if you wanted to maximize the return on the business. So now it's a compressed time frame, so it's even more important to have that conversation. And the conversation is really, what's the deal? Who's going to get what? What's the plan? How long are you going to be around? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to work until you just can't work anymore, or do you want to enjoy some other things in life and be more of a board member or you know what do you what do you want and are if there are uh, youngsters involved in the business are they even interested in purchasing sure um, and oftentimes uh, sometimes they are and sometimes they're not I think it goes beyond you know what you say though I mean it's if you say one thing and you're doing something different um, and then it's just confusing everybody, and no one wants to challenge you, and uh, just it uh, it languishes when it shouldn't languish. So you know it's not what you say; it's what you do. Yeah, oftentimes you can say, "Hey, you know what? I I want to start turning over the reins and and kind of step more into an advisory role, and uh, and still want to run everything." And oh no 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 no, that's not right. That's not how we do it. Uh, you know, instead of putting together a formal training plan and, and pushing it forward and go in that direction. It's a, it can be 
But it's touchy, right? Because if you've owned a business for especially several years, um, it's like it's like another child. Several decades. Right. So it's like another one of your children. So it's just handing it over to somebody is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And if you haven't run the business in an orderly fashion, um, develop plans, execute plans, then it's going to feel a little awkward. You're not going to have a tremendous amount of faith that this time we can construct the plan and execute it. And uh, if you don't mind me interjecting a little bit, it's not whether you think it's run in an orderly fashion, it's whether the game of business decides that it's run in an orderly fashion. Because you might think you're extremely organized, but when it goes out on the market, there are certain things that uh, a buyer is looking for to make sure that it is orderly and that involves a, a management succession plan, not just for you, but for your key players your sales and marketing plan to know how the business is coming in, your operations plan to know how you're going to how you're going to make everything and your financial plan to know what your financial goals are and how you're going to keep score, right? So if you don't have those things really bridged up and done well, um, you're not going to be worth what you think you are. I I think uh, that reference to the great game of business is an appropriate one because uh, I'm not sure if you ever I know you played Monopoly or something at home with the, with the wife and the kids, and then you would invite a couple over and they sit down with you to play Monopoly, and they go, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "I'm doing this," and they go, "That's that's against the rules." And you're like, "Really?" Because we've been doing it that way for a long time. I've been using scotch tape to put those little blue and and pink things in my car, and I always wind up with like 35 children on the back of the station wagon, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, it's the same thing with a great game of business. You know, you've been operating. Well, I guess that's the game of life. That's not the game of Monopoly. Yeah. I, I typically don't invite people over to play Monopoly. That, that could be dangerous. But, but you, you understand the point, right? Yeah, I, mean, I do. Um, yeah. You know, you're used to doing it one way, and you assume that that's best practice, and then you discover, wow, that's not best practice at all. So when we talk about the great game of business, the great game of business has rules, and there's some best practices that... Uh, really make all the difference in the world. They, they, those best practices and working on those and making sure they're set, they really are, they are the gasoline that makes the engine go. But, uh, you know, a, a couple things you got to know as you step into this as an owner, if you are a family business and the family runs the business, you got to ask yourself the question, can the owners ever take time off? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that, what you mean by that is, can the business run on its own, or is the owner required to be there 24 hours a day? If it's because if it's orderly, even if even if you don't have the staff to just hire a whole bunch of managers to do what the owner does, but if it's orderly, the owner should be able to take four or five days off and not come back to a big mess, right? Sure, sure. I mean, that implies there's some dashboards, there's some. There's some data that uh, is available to that owner and he or she can assess the health of the company in their absence. Yeah. Yep. And the employees know the game. They know the score and they know they know what they need to do to achieve that score. Right. Yeah. And it's conspicuous in its absence. I mean, when when you don't have a scoreboard, if, if the guy or the woman who owns the place makes every decision, makes everything go can't even get a quote out the door, um, can't approve an invoice, can't get payroll done. Um, 
you really, really don't have a business that's transferable. And so you don't have a business that's saleable. And, and like, like I say, we care about two things, which always turns into three. We care a lot about people. We care a lot about profit, but you have to have processes in place to maximize on your profit. And if you own a business, you have to have processes, especially all the key processes that run the business, you have to have them mapped. Map your processes to where if you're not there, there is a map of how things are supposed to go. Yeah. And and when you map the processes, the owners can take some time off. You can do things, but you have to have that in place. So the business, I used this analogy last week. Businesses are like are like kids. You have it, and at first it can't do anything without you. And then the kids can start walking. That's when a business or a child can really get in trouble when they start going mobile. You really got to watch them, make sure, and you train them, and you teach them, and you set things up, and you set guardrails up to protect them. And then the better you do between year like two and seven sets you up for those teenage years. And just pretend that that, that business is a teenage athlete. That's when you're really getting fast. That's when you develop tremendous talent. And then when, if you coach somebody properly and you're a good coach, you're getting speed, you're getting agility, you're getting talent out the wazoo. But if you never spend time with that kid and it just goes along, goes along, goes along, it's just gonna be one year, five, six, seven, eight times instead of seven, eight wonderful years, right? So when you think of a business in that, in that manner, it's all about what you put into it as far as the structure and training the business and which way to go, right? Absolutely. Dave, have we ever encountered a business, using your metaphor or your analogy, have we ever encountered a business that was just killing it, just crushing it, just, we're talking 25, 30% net profit with, um, without that in place? Like, have we ever encountered a company with that relies on one guy or one woman, but yet they're crushing it. No, 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 there's usually in the survival mode. Yeah, yeah. If they don't have uh, good processes in place and which will grow your company and give you the ability to hire managers um, and not have ambiguous information or communication, um, no, the answer is no, you can't do that. And, and you also have to be able to a, you have outsourcing set up sometimes, sometimes it's secondary processes, but you have a pop-off valve or pressure release valve in your business to where you might have 10 customers that give you tremendous amounts of work, but, uh, and you want to keep those customers and keep them happy, but it might be more than your capacity, but you still need to meet the need of the client. You might set up some outsourcing with a couple people, uh, a couple shops you can trust. Next thing you know is you take and grow your shops capability or capacity by leveraging another outsourcing person in creating a great relationship for them, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's in terms of products and services for sure. But um, even if you're not a machine shop or you might be a CPA firm or law firm, but um, it, it's the same thing, right? I mean, you need to have just-in-time capability, just-in-time just capacity to meet the needs of your client. Yeah, we've seen speed to market and speed of information and how that how that impacts the success rate of your business. It's tremendous. Sure, sure. Also conspicuous in its absence, though, is a sales and marketing um, function. You know, a lot of small, medium-sized businesses just simply don't have sales and marketing at all. 
and um, and so it starts impacting the quality of their earnings. When we talk about QOV. Um, if you're a business and you have three customers, and all three customers, you know, generate 99% of your your revenue, um, well, to lose one customer is catastrophic. As a result, your earnings aren't as good as a company. Same amount of money. Let's say you're a three million dollar company. You have three clients. The other company has 20. Their earnings are much stronger. They're much better. Yep, yep. You get a better multiple out of that business because if you lose one client because of this after the other, because life happens. Yes. If you lose one client, you're not losing thirty percent of your business. I mean, it's just not. It's not good business to have anybody, you know, more than twenty or thirty percent of your business because you're setting yourself up for if there is a mistake, if Murphy does show up on the wrong day, it can really impact you. And, and another thing that. Uh, these small to medium-sized businesses do. The ones that are successful typically have some kind of board of directors um, or it's an outsourced board of directors or people that they know that are part of their board of directors. But those are successful people that know how to win. They know how to thrive and they're beside them in that journey, right? Well, absolutely. Um, I often reference um, the book called The Millionaire Mind. Um, and it talks about decamillionaires, people who are worth 10 million or more. And they all have a personal board of directors. And well, 99% of them do. And these are the people who tell them what, where to vacation, where to send their kids to college, what stocks to buy. But also if they're a small business owner, these people are speaking into the day-to-day um, choices that are being made in that business. And so if you're a business owner and you're doing it all alone, um, your chances of success you know, around the 40 to 50% range. You bring on smart people and uh, you can keep yourself in the 80 to 90% success range. And we're talking about a family business. So um, your brother, sister, father, mother might know a whole bunch about business, but that's not a quote unquote uh, board of directors. You need board of directors from different walks of life. Somebody that can look outside that family bubble at your business and give you some you speak truth into you without offending you sure, uh, sure. and somebody that'll that'll come alongside you and say hold on guys because oftentimes in the family business you get to family and they know one thing they know that business but they don't know two three four more because they've been working together their whole careers so you wind up being accidentally short-sighted sure that group think yeah yeah the group think you need to import outside the family for a board of directors especially to set up a succession plan if you have a family business you have to have a succession plan, not just for the owners or the members of the family, but for every key role, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you were to put your business on the market today and you had some interest and, and a potential buyer comes in and you can speak to um, the next man up for each key role in the organization, you can speak to the fact that here are our processes and not 100% of the processes, just the 20% of the processes to generate 80% of the revenue. We have these uh, mapped, we have them documented, and we have training. And we conduct that training on a quarterly, semi-annual basis on these key processes. I mean, you, you just look way different to a potential buyer who sees how they can continue to have uh, the revenue generation, perhaps the profitability that your existing company has. Yeah, absolutely.
Um, and when you talk about a family business, uh, family businesses can be a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, they can get families, bring families closer. They can produce a lot of generational profit. Um, you could be uh, ahead of your family and you could be generating something special for your children that, that have a lot of interest in the business, but they want um, interest in the business. And uh, there's a lot of great things you can do there. Here's a deal, Dave. Right. Um, there are 99.7% of companies that are less than 500 employees, and yet they employ half the workforce. So there's just a lot of small, medium-sized companies um, that are family-owned. So this is, this is just a huge issue. And so I'm hopeful that uh, our, 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 uh, our audience is, is hearing what we're saying. If you're a small or medium-sized business and you're looking to transition, um, make sure you have a plan. But if you know people who are small or medium-sized business owners and they're baby boomers, let them know that you have to have a plan um, and that you know, you, you got to be prepared. And, and something that, uh, and I'll leave you with this, the one thing that we'll say, have the conversation. Don't just think it's going to sit there and work itself out have the conversation. If it's your dad, if it's your mom, it's your uncle, it's your brother, it's your sister, have the conversation. Um, have it out in the open. Have it on the plan to where we know what we're working for. We want everybody to be successful. And the only way you do that is to have a conversation and build a plan. So everyone have the conversation, build the plan, map your processes, build a phenomenal business. And you know what? Let that business take good care of your family from generation to generation. Right on, Dave. Right on, Mike. We at EBITDA Growth Systems do what we do to impact lives through improving business performance. To get access to our content or engage us in any way, you can reach our contact page or any of our information on our website at www.ebitagrowthsystems.com.